Kia ora, good morning and welcome to the show. It is Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ at five past six. And uh, it's pretty emphatic in the end, Izzy. The South Africans stubborn resistance for a while, but they couldn't hold out the New Zealand bowling attack and the test is all over in four days. Yeah, pretty embarrassing, isn't it? Pretty uh, bit of a mockery for test cricket. That kind of result up against, uh, what, club side, really. No disrespect to South Africa, but made to look very, very average. And uh, the Black Caps did it really easily, um, beating them by 280-odd. And I feel for Robbie, missed out on his his punt there with Matt Henry only (laughs) getting one wicket off 11 overs. Cole Jamison taking all the glory on the final day. Um, You'd think that was an assured thing, but hey... That is punting, um, but yeah, made made to look easy, and uh, yeah, had a good good chat with a bloke that played a bit of cricket yesterday. I won't name him, but had a good chat about it and just about the whole current state of Test cricket and the importance of Test cricket and where it stands when a team and a nation like that sends a team like this down here, and uh, the result. Wow, it was a it was a laugh, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, to be honest, I, it wasn't as one-sided as I thought. And I mean, you know, and I know. What it was do you a, mean? Well, it was a pretty one-sided result, like <laughs> if you look at it on paper. But I mean, when New Zealand went into bat, mm. you know, the South African attack. Uh, I think we mentioned this with Jeremy Coney when he was on the other day. It wasn't like they had a a big wicket taker like a Mitchell Stark or Shane Bond, but they made it difficult for New Zealand to score runs. They really tried to throttle the New Zealand batting uh, and force the batsmen into making mistakes, playing shots they shouldn't play. Uh, so, yeah, from that point of view, I thought the South African side, I mean, you can't blame the 11 that are out there. They're the guys that selected, so they go out there and do their job. But I think they, I thought they made the job of the Black Caps batsmen a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Oh, um, yeah. Look, oh mate, one of them. What was the quickest? One twenty-five. Yeah, you know, you'd love to face that every single day. Like no one was any here. You think in the past, and Tini, Stain, just players from from all over the globe. That is there an appetite to bowl quick now? Because you've seen it with you know England. I got Mark Wood. You got Mitchell Stark. But relatively everywhere around around the country, around the globe. There isn't that out-and-out pace. A batsman have more time on, on their hands. And I guess when you're, you're playing an outfit like that, Ricardo, you, your mindset probably lapses a bit. Like Kane Williamson, when he skied one in that first innings, you'd never seen Kane do that. He's, he's so patient with the way he approaches the game. Mm. He got a little bit frustrated. But that was a sitter, and he got dropped. And then he got dropped mm. again, and Ravindra got dropped. Like the, the, the fielding out there... Well, it was atrocious, you know, betting him in that second and he showed a little bit of fight, shouldn't get an 80 odd, but outside of that, it was it was pretty disastrous, really, from South Africa. But you take the result. Um, my only concern is when we win the series, you know, how do we feel post the series after facing a team like that? Yeah, well, it's that old adage, though, isn't it? You can only beat what's put in front of you. Yeah, so I'm not putting anything on. Mm. Um, New Zealand or the Black Caps, we've got a full strength side. Um, but when you look at it from a global point of view, like Test cricket is slowly becoming 
you know, in, in the background, the back seat to T20 at the moment. Well, they're trying to save their domestic game over in South Africa um, because that's where the money's at. And I think when T20 cricket is at a stage now, you know, where, where does it go? Has it reached its its limits here with the 20-over game, with the amount of money that's at its disposal? When it gets to the pinnacle and people start falling off and, you know, do they start going to a 15-over game, a 10-over game, mm. you know, and then we lose test cricket even more because our sole focus is on T20. Short-termism. Um, oh, no, it's just a good debate to have. Like, Yeah, I mean... It we was don't in... play much test cricket. Mm. T20 is always a competition that everyone plays. And as a player's point of view, why should I play test cricket for five days, ruin my body, when I can go and earn five times the amount of money paying T20 for a month? Yeah, well, that, and that's an argument, man. That, that's a real, that's a really big argument. It was interesting. I'm, I'm, I used to work with um, Simon Dole, and obviously he's well ensconced in the IPL as a mm. commentator and things now. And he was of the, I, I, I'd be interested to see what his opinion is now and if it's changed. But he was of the opinion when the IPL was first launching, you know, maybe mm. second season, third season, that sort of thing, it was really just starting to take off. Um, he was of the opinion that T20 cricket should only be franchise cricket. They shouldn't have international T20s. Mm. Just, okay. just keep it as that. And he said, and then that keeps the calendar cl- a little clearer uh, in mm. terms of for international cricket so we can play, I guess, for want of a better term, proper cricket in terms of from an international point of view. Yeah, it's, it's just a thought I've, I've had and, and just having a nice little chat to a bloke yesterday about it and um, want to hear your thoughts like with with that test series. A great one, don't get me wrong. Good to beat South Africa. Dominated them, won it in four days. Now we go to Hamilton to, to wrap up this series. Are there going to be any changes from a Black Caps point of view? Where does South Africa go now? Has they got anyone that could come in and salvage the series for them? But... Um, yeah, it was just a, a thought, like, from an athlete's point of view and a player's point of view, thinking about it from their point of view, is you're like, well, from, why am I going to go try and bowl fast for three days, slog my guts out, probably cause some injuries where I can go to South Africa, India, um, United States, and play for 20 overs and bowl a maximum of four overs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's going to be... Interesting, but test cricket, I love it. It's a test, and it's five days. You know, that's where you figure out who's got it, who doesn't have it. And um, at the moment, I just think it's slowly altering. Particularly mm. now, down here. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear, I hear, I hear what you're saying, and we want to hear from you too. Double eight, double three uh, is the temper bedpost text machine coming up on the show. Luke Alfred, out of South Africa, South African cricket journalist. Uh, he's uh, he's going to give us his thoughts, and uh, it'd be interesting to see what the vibe is in South Africa about mm. this test match and uh, and the way things have played out versus keeping the best players at home for the T20 uh, series uh, after seven o'clock. Uh, we're going to talk to Sam Brief. He's a uh, Chicago-based uh, NBA reporter and commentator. Uh, we'll catch up with him. It is the trade deadline window today. We'll see who's done what, who's come out of it better, who needed to do more, and why uh, GM 
uh, of the LA Lakers. LeBron James hasn't been able to get anything done. Uh, we'll also catch up with Megan Williams, who's going to be one of our stars uh, potentially at the Paris Olympics. The BMX World Cup is uh, on our doorstep this weekend in Rotorua. Megan is going to be uh, part of the New Zealand team competing there, and we'll uh, get her take on that. And now, uh, what our chances of getting a couple of riders in Paris are. And then Craig McMillan former New Zealand black cap uh, batsman and batting coach as well is going to join us after 8 o'clock. Round one, fight. It is time for the triple threat, the three big questions of the day. Over in Australia, the, uh, the Aussie punders have pretty much written off the breakers' chances now that Anthony Lamb has busted his Achilles and is out for nine months. But Modi Mayor is pretty confident they can make the playoffs. Do you think the Breakers can make the playoffs, yes or no? And how did your mentality change in the Crusaders if, I don't know, DC or Richie weren't available? Did, did you find that the team lifted and everybody did a little bit more, or is that not how it worked? Um, just to answer the first question, are they going to make it? They need to win three of the last four, and they're going to have to rely on the likes of Delaney, Cheatham, Magot, Methang, and... Uh, Isaiah Leafa, you got McDowell White, Tom Abercrombie on the perimeter. So it's going to be tough. They're going to have to dig deep. Um, three of the last four, they beat the Perth Wildcats. It's mm. been a long time since In they travelled west and worst to Perth and beaten them. So, look, they would have taken so much confidence from that. I think they can do it. I think they've, you know, with Anthony Lamb, that's a huge loss. Like He was the go-to man, averaging 17-odd points a game. Uh, how do we get through it? I, I think the wording has to be important from Modi Mayor. You know, when Dan Carter went down in 2011 in, in Wellington against Canada, for a young bloke like myself, I'll be honest, I was like, oh my God, we can't win this. This is our best player. Mm. Yeah, there's no chance in hell. And then, you know, Graham Henry comes in the change room. And the way that he instilled belief into the next man up mentality, Colin Slade and Colin we trust. You know, Colin is a fine player. We're going to rally around Colin. We're going to give him everything necessary to go out there and uh, do what he needs to do. But we need you all to focus on your jobs and become the best players in that position in the world. So it's all around the wording and and the way you approach it because a lot of thoughts will be going through the younger players' heads. But the big, you know, experienced players, particularly Tom Abercrombie, he's going to really step up and Modi Mayall, and, and um, you know, everyone's ridden them off. Don't you love that? The underdog mentality. Come on then, ride us off at your own peril. We'll go out there and no one expects him to make the playoffs. No one expects him to get to the playoff finals. So go out there and, and prove them wrong. Desire. Dog mentality. Yeah, dog it. Dog it. All right. Now, Curtis Scott. The NRL bad boy is, uh, can't play NRL yeah. at the moment, uh, so he's, he's turned to boxing. And they're talking about who he might fight. Uh, Tavita Pangai Jr., Matt Lodge have been floated as potential opponents. He was asked about Dylan Walker. I don't know if you remember this. When Curtis Scott was at Melbourne and Dylan Walker was at Manly, they had a, uh, a crack yeah. at each other, and uh, Dylan Walker ended up with a fractured eye socket off the back of it. Yeah. Uh, and Curtis Scott was asked recently about whether or not he'd want Walker to get into the ring with him. And uh, <laughs> he uh, certainly said that uh, he's keen to, to go around again, and uh, he's pretty sure that Dylan wants to get one back. Um, seems to have held on, if you read that interview. I can't quote most of it because there's F-bombs all through it. But, um, <laughs> but uh, is there anybody 
Uh, is he, uh, uh, what are you trying to do here, Ricardo? Yeah. What headline are you trying to I'm create not, for I'm a not potential sure, fight for life, mate? What a question. <laughs> Anyone that you would love to crack <laughs> from your time in the game, oh, or is my. it just me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> my goodness. Um, but Curtis Scott, he's not a big bloke, but he's obviously a, he's got anger, anger management, mm. anger issues. Uh, look. I had an opportunity to fight Billy Slater for the Fight for Life in 2012. Yeah. I turned that down. And no, go, no, I'm no life in that. No, no, no chance of me going out there and fighting Billy Slater. But hey, everyone used to think I had a competition with Ben Smith. Everyone thought we you know, must have hated each other and we played the same position. Everyone asked the question. You know, I was in the supermarket the other day and he come, the bloke comes up to me, hey, bro, can I ask you a question? I was like, yeah, bro, what's up? He goes, Who's a better fullback, you or Ben Smith? And I was like, oh, my God, what a loser. Can you go away, mate? Like some people just think it's the funniest thing in the world. So what? Why not? Let's chuck us in the ring. Me and Bender. Yeah, you and Bender. Go for it. All right. Yeah. I'll give Dean Lonergan a call. <laughs> round three. Oh. All right, round three. Now, I was I was looking uh, through the TAV app the other day. Uh, like I picked up a bit of coin off a couple of tips that we got yesterday. So I was just like, uh, oh, where, where can I reinvest this? And I saw a name pop up, is he? In the mm-hmm. women's tennis, WTA, there's an Australian tennis player who I reckon must have close to the best name in <laughs> sport. Her name is Storm Hunter. Okay. It sounds like she should be an action hero in Hollywood. Sounds like the sort of thing when you sat down at the uh, at the picture theatre, you might hear this. In a world where the line between good and evil is clouded, when bad men go unchecked and the poor and defenceless are at the mercy of the unscrupulous, the world needs a hero one that strikes twice and rumbles long and hard. That hero, Storm Hunter. <laughs> I feel like she should be on X-Men, man. <laughs> <laughs> but Storm Hunter, it is such a great name. It is such an action hero name. Is it the best name in sport? What do you reckon? It's pretty darn good. It's pretty darn good for sure. Storm Hunter, I've never heard of it. Never heard of it. Um, wow. Wow. Uh, that is a very good one. It's hard to top that, but look, the first name that came to my mind, and mm. it's not a it's not a great name, but it's a funny name. Phil McCracken. Phil. Is that Jared's dad? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like that's that's the first thing that came to mind. Just have a laugh. But um I, I like Chad Johnson, Chad Okosinko. Changed his name from Chad Johnson, the great Bengals wide receiver, and now he's Ochocinco, and he does a um, now a podcast with Shannon Sharp. It's good, good crack up. So good to to have a little listen there. Odell Beckham Jr. I think that's a funky name. Matthew Wolf plays golf. Um, yeah, look, I was having a think. It was hard to really top because you need a f- good name that leads into a strong name for for a um, surname. Um, so it was hard for me to. You got any others? I was well, thinking about this for well, ages. I was struggling. The the uh, Indy car driver, the Aussie Will Power. Oh, Will Powers, yeah. Because I, yeah, yeah, I, I used to go. I, there's a mate of the old man's that used to play football. Was called his name was uh, he's from from Manchester. His name was Shay Power, and he mm. had named had named his son Max. Max <laughs> Power. <laughs> Gone in the days of uh, are the days of. 
being creative with names coming back. I think so. Yeah, I think they are too. Because it's a good shout on Odell Beckham Jr. Because he sounds like he could be playing bass in George Clinton's band or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it just sounds funky. Like Beckham is one of the most popular names in the world. Odell, really see that often. And then I chuck a junior in there. It's, yeah, it's got a nice feel for it. Um, but yeah, let us know. Double eight, double three. Great sports names or great names that you've heard of that you think, wow, that's a nice name. I might name my kids that. Or aren't you lucky to have a cool name like that? Or, you know, something like that. Just let us know. Double eight, double three.